Uh, so Dalton, while you were uh, out of the room, I don't know if you heard uh, Dustin and I talking about uh, William Peter Blatty's uh, City Slickers 2, The Search for Pazuzu's Gold or Not. <laughs> okay, hold on. That's a movie I want to see. <laughs> so Curly um, really is dead in the second movie, and it is Curly's ghost that comes back, and they go to Iraq. Great. Yeah. I had no notes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's our pitch. That's it. Yeah. We, we we're make going. It yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I assume we're going to go to an underground temple at some point. Um, somebody's going to have to say something about Babylon. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. It's going to be great. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. We gather around table to discuss films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. And this week's film is, as you might already know, City Slickers, uh, the uh, Billy Crystal vehicle, well-known. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I don't know who I am anymore uh, after watching this movie. Um, who are any of us? I'm thinking about the mashup of... I'm, I'm going back to William Peter Blatty's City Slickers 2, The Search <laughs> yeah, for course. Pazuzu's Gold. Yeah, yeah, go uh, on. Please go uh, right and, and I'm really, really thinking about this Catholic horror meets uh, neurotic Jewish humor. Yeah. Fish out of water. And, yeah, yeah, that kind of... Boy, mm. we need a rabbi. And uh, yeah, an yeah. old rabbi and a young rabbi. It's, it's, a, it's a buddy picture with Max von Sydow and Billy Crystal. <laughs> R.I.P. to a legend. Um, Billy? Yeah, yeah, he's dead, right? <laughs> His career oh, is. Oh, Matt, God, yeah, is it? Whew. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry, Billy. I'm going to be real mean to you in this episode, man. I don't Look, mean, I don't, I, I, I don't I mean anything it, by man. it. Uh, I really uh, have an appreciation for Bearded Billy Crystal. Yeah, He's cute. Bearded Billy Crystal is cute. He can that get little it. rugged look he has with he, his full cowboy mode. He knows yeah. too. Yeah. You can he, tell. He, oh yeah, he does. <laughs> he knows yeah. He's pulling he, that He's got on. a grin on horseback at one point that uh-huh. is like, yeah, you you know you know you're doing this well. Yeah, this really does feel like the uh, you, you know how Sandler is famously just like, where do I want to go on vacation with my friends? And yeah. that's where this has got that written all Big over energy. Five, yeah. yeah, really strong. Yeah. yeah. So Big vacation you're energy. Tuning into this show for the very first time, just so you know, dear listener, this is not a review show; it's an analysis show, and that doesn't mean we're going to spoil the end of City Slickers Two. Um, will the cities be slicked? Uh, we will tell you <laughs> by the end of uh, the show. We um, will also spoil City Slickers One, the movie we're talking. Oh, see, about. what are you talking? about? Yeah. Well, we can spoil the second one. I'm well, never going to watch it. Oh yeah, it's it, it's actually more fun. Wait, uh, well, okay, maybe it's, I will. it's it's better. I think, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, nonetheless, uh, City Slickers, yes, not City Slickers 2, uh, is what we're talking about today. We will be spoiling it uh, by the end, but we'll re- reserve that towards the end of the show. We'll have synopsis from the voice of the cinema, who's now voiced the cinema again, because I'm out of practice. Uh, uh, we're also going to have our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, and we're going to expand the syllabus a little bit, and that'll have maybe light spoilers of movies in the orbit of this film. And then finally we get down to business, and that's when all bets are off, and you find out there is a sequel. Say Slickers too, so they do survive. I guess I've already given one away. So sorry, everyone. Um, without any further ado, though, I feel silly now. I thought this was going to be uh, much more nihilistic, where they all died in the end. <laughs> it's going to be like a uh, oh, I don't know. I was thinking of one of those when they cannibalism movies, but I can't come up with one now. <laughs> okay, hold on. City Slickers meets but meets the descent though. Cannibal cattle wrestlers. Hey, there is a bit in City Slickers too where they talk about having to eat Phil, and it is the funniest thing. They ever. make that joke in this one, don't they? Hmm. If we if, no, they might make a joke, but there's a long time where Maybe. Billy Crystal's like, "Ooh, pass me the fill, mm, oh, more fill." He's even good cold. It's really, really funny. But that's funny. Neither here nor there. Um, Arthur, delight us with the synopsis of the movie we're actually talking about. Three men with dead end jobs and lives find themselves on daring vacations, trying to fill alive. 
On his 39th birthday, Mitch is given a two-week trip that includes a real-life cattle drive up from New Mexico to Colorado. The three make the journey west, but the cattle drive is filled with adventure, and the three men are forced to reckon with who and where they are in life. Very, very cool. Um, I gotta say, this is a vacation I would not want. I, I have been around no. horses and cattle, yes. and it's a lot of work. Yeah. And, I mean, I wouldn't mind... And you're not learning how to do it in a day no. or two. I wouldn't mind a two-week horseback ride. You know, yeah, like a, like a... What is it? Yeah, um, like a trail hiking a, yeah. destination kind of thing. There's a work... I can't remember. There's a word for it, but I can't. There's a type of camp, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I not dude ranch kind of. Yeah, thing. dude ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm up for that. Yeah, I yeah. want to ride. I want to ride horses. I don't want to be responsible. I might for go camping, beef. eat some beans off of a fire, but yeah, I'm not driving a hundred herd of cattle. No, through that, the, no, especially not through the forest and rain. I've been around farms enough to know that's a bad mixture. In the famous words of John Wayne, when God had a bunch of stupid and mean leftover, he put it in a leather bag and he called it a cow, <laughs> and he's not wrong. <laughs> Anyway, um, no, I don't. I don't want. Hey, you should be nice. They're going to be one of the only animals left on the planet here before too long. Fair enough, but they won't. I won't be here anyway, so who cares? Uh, Hey, let's uh, thank you for that synopsis, Arthur. Um, Dalton, you have words to say clearly about this movie, so I want to let you go first. Um, Yes, he's written a treatise. Yeah, speaking of generations that don't care about anybody else, let's talk about Baby Boomer, shall we? (laughs) Uh, This movie's. I don't know. The demographics, age-wise, of this the, this show's listenership are all over the place, I choose to assume. Um, so if you've ever wondered, uh, if, you, if you're the age bracket commonly called baby boomers, and you wonder, man, why is everybody so mad at us? It's City Slickers. It's totally Billy Crystal's fault. I'm really sorry. But it's, it's this kind of stuff. This movie has one of my favorite uh, Hollywood conventions, which is I don't know what regular people do for a job. <laughs> Which may, I just really like that Billy Crystal's character has a job that like does not exist anymore. Uh, it's well, don't get me wrong. There are people selling ad time on terrestrial radio. They just do four or five other jobs because that's not a job. Full time thing it's anymore. Full time gig. Yeah, it you, does not get you a Manhattan no, penthouse. No, know. you probably also are responsible for uh, doing uh, the off hour uh, color commentary between songs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of funny in that regard. I, I just love that sort of stuff. Daniel Stern works at a grocery store. Uh, just weird. What was uh, Bruno Kirby do? Do we ever know what he's doing? He runs a sporting goods store. right. But only because his brother's got, capable of doing it. He's got a jacket for that, you know? Yeah, his yeah, face yeah. is on it. Yeah, That's Phil's right. an adulterer, but they don't make jackets for that. It's <laughs> a funny joke. There's <laughs> some good jokes. I, I did try to apply Dustin's, uh, what is it, your three laugh rule? Uh, six laugh rule. Six laugh rule. That's I think right. it went up. Maybe it has. Maybe He's it, always moving the goalposts. My, my, my standards are getting <laughs> that stronger. That seems unfair. I, look, I, I was talking to, to Dustin about this off air. I will cop to watching this movie like way too late in the evening and by myself. I just did not find it very funny. Maybe it's because I think all three of the characters that are uh, centering this movie are colossal assholes. They truly are. bad. Mm-hmm. Just bad husbands. However, if I say to you now, I lost my watch. Yeah. That's funny. That is pretty good. The, okay. the, the losing the watch is good. Uh, it was a gift. The stuff with Jack... Not, is Jack Pounce? Is that his? Jack, Jack Plants? Jack Plants. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Goodness. Sorry. Well, look, I've never seen Shane. I need to. I know. I know. I know. Look, I've seen Logan, so I've basically seen Shane. Uh, You've seen the good version. <laughs> Ooh, that's a salty take. I love I'm that. Just uh, anyway, I like that stuff, right? I just like, like Dustin explode. I think he's good in the movie. I think, like, centering his character makes sense, but it just is such a my my greatest generation dad didn't teach me how to 
woodwork movie, right? Like it, ju- it This is a movie about people who I don't care about. They can afford to run with the bulls in Pamplona. They can afford to fuck off to Montana and ride or uh, Colorado and ride horses for like three weeks. These are a class of person that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. This is a type of middle class that simply has ceased to exist. <laughs> And it's because of a generation that didn't care about anybody but themselves. Uh, I, look, and maybe that's why I can't laugh at it. Maybe it's because I was, again, I was super tired. Uh, and I broke this movie up into chunks uh, because I got bored with it. Uh, so I, I will fully cop to not giving it a fair shake. But by the time Billy Crystal makes a deliverance joke, uh, <laughs> a thing that we have gone on record as being against uh, here at Good Trash uh, Media... I was just, I was out, man. Like, I'm so turned off. It reminded me, uh, Dustin's got this really good theory about, um, um, uh, what's, that's where, um, Vanity Project comedy, right? Yeah. And he talked about this a million years ago when we did Fish Called Wanda. But this just, like, reeks of that kind of thing to me. Like, Billy Crystal's not credited, uh, but he is, uh, worked on, he did work on the screenplay. Uh, he has he's the, executive producer. Yeah, he's executive producer. He had the initial pitch idea of City Guys, you know, ride horses for a couple of weeks. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of his ideas on this, and it, boy, does it show, right? Like, this is, for all intents and purposes, kind of, Billy's uh, blank check movie, right? Like, this is him cashing in that that uh, When Harry Met Sally Goodwill yeah. and doing whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, he works better as a leading uh, romantic leading man than he does as, like, a, a dude. Like, my, my letterbox review is this is the bad kind of dude's rock movie, and I stand by that. Uh, I like dude's rock movies. Dudes do, in fact, rock sometimes. Uh, this is the the ways in which they don't rock. Uh, and, you know, look, some of that is it's 1990. You know, we talked about on, um, oh, God, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, right? Like, just what a weird decade the 90s were for gender stuff. You know, it's kind of in the, the wake of the 80s reactionary takes on 70s feminism. So, like, we're coming out of the 80s, 70s and 80s. Uh, and just like gender dynamics are different and literally nobody and by literally nobody, I mean all the white dudes who are writing movies in the 90s seem to know how to deal with it. Uh, Nancy Myers does her best, but like, you know, and Nora Ephron as well. But like, uh, it's just no, nobody seems to know how anybody is talking to each other for a solid five years, it seems like. Uh, I don't know. This movie came out around the same time as Ghost, though. Mm-hmm. That movie's like super, you know, I, I know it's not a fully a comedy, but I don't know, at least understands how human beings interact with each other, even if it does involve a ghost. I don't know. The movie's not good. I don't like it. All right. There you go. Thank you very much for that, Dalton. Um, Arthur, do you have thoughts on City Slickers? Uh, the Academy Award winning City Slickers? That's right. Ranked number 86 on uh, AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs list. Mm-hmm. Uh, three and a half stars from Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. Hey, he didn't like Blue Velvet. Everybody's wrong every once in a while. <laughs> uh, well, he was in the majority of the critical reception, so... Uh, well, look... Maybe you're the wrong. Oh, oh, I'm in the wrong. Okay. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, A.O. Scott. <laughs> I do think some of those awards are a little unheralded. Uh, I think Plants is good, but I don't know that that's an Academy Award performance. Well, that's one of those... You're doing career things. You, you've yeah, been yeah, here yeah. a long... Yeah, yeah, you might have... Um, and you really put something like yeah. that out at the end of your career. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, I, I do, I enjoy the movie though. I, I do. I'm, I'm warmer on it than Dalton is. Um, but I don't think it's the best comedy I've ever seen. I don't think it's the best, you know, comedy from the early nineties that I ever saw. You know, it's not in there. Uh, this movie is one that is definitely a, you know, was especially at the time destined for cable movie. I'd call it, you know, this totally. is one of those you're going to see it on TNT or TBS or USA, uh, pretty frequently through the nineties. Um, 
I enjoy the. I, I, I'm a big Billy Crystal fan, but to Dalton's point, I, I don't think he's the anchor for this kind of movie. I think he needs someone a little more straight to play off of. I don't, I, him as kind of the straight leading man doesn't work. I, I think he works well in certain you know situations, scenarios, and, and castings, and this just doesn't work. That kind of rapid fire neurotic Jewish humor thing he does doesn't quite work as well. Him and Bruno Kirby's characters are just too similar. Yeah. Right? They're both yeah. they can't both be the wisecrack. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't have two of them. Yeah. It I doesn't think work. him and Daniel Stern works. Yeah. And and Bruno Bruno Kirby yeah. is 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 his friend in When Harry Met Sally and that dynamic is a little offset though because of the other characters in play in that film. Yeah. But to put them as a triad here doesn't quite work as well. Um I enjoy it though. This I, movie I, needs a Tom Hanks. I don't know I don't necessarily think he needs You to need lead. someone that's purely a straight character that doesn't make those kind of jokes. I think Daniel Stern's supposed to be that. Maybe, but he's a little too... God, is he unlikable in this? I like him. Really? I do. I don't feel bad for him at all. Yeah. I I, I, I like Daniel Stern, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's great. Um... And I, I think it's just the way his character's written here. Sure. Obviously, to your point, but also, I mean, he doesn't have a ton to do yeah. other than kind of be brunt of a joke a few times. Um, but I, I do... I mentioned in our chat... Uh, Man, if I had watched this six months ago, this hits really hard for me. Uh, that that idea of kind of getting stuck in a job and not sure where you're going with your life. Uh, oh, sure. Really resonates. Yeah. Um, and having seen that six months ago, it probably would have had a much stronger impact. But I, I hit hard for me uh, emotionally. Uh, I cried a couple times uh, in some of those moments. That that moment where Stern is in the tent uh, with oh, the gun. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty. It heavy. Killed me. That, li- that I mean, that it broke scene, my heart. Yeah, that scene lands. Yeah. Yeah. And so it does have those moments. It resonates with me emotionally in a few places. I, I think it's got some great bits. Uh, I I think it's fun, the the kind of training montage. I like a good training montage when they're learning to, to rope and ride. Uh, but this movie is too long. Uh, this is a tight 90 max, and, and they push it to two hours. And I think that really kind of undercuts a lot of the, the purity of it. Um, just kind of going off on these little rabbit trails. And it's a different type of comedy. Uh, this this is kind of the thing you'd see Apatow doing today, really, I think, more than yeah. what you expect from a Billy Crystal comedy in the 90s. Wow, this, yeah, you're absolutely you right, You know, it's though. that kind of, I, I don't want to call it, God, uh, like prestige comedy, but it's that real heavy dramedy type movie yeah. that I think would work better with a different cast, different director. Yeah, 10 years, 10 this to This is like a template for what Apatow's going to be doing. Absolutely. 10 to 15 years later, this movie's got like less slapstick. Well, the this movie's got jokes. Paul Rudd in the lead. Yeah, there's a there, there's another... Seth Rogen's is yeah. probably his best... Or, or uh, not Marshall. Uh, oh, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel's yeah, probably the best, sure. you know, in that Daniel Stern yeah. role or something. Yeah, there's at least one more like really big gross out set piece. Yeah, but then there's a lot, lot more somberness. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and that's really what it kind of feels like. It feels like it's setting a template for something like that. Um, I like that take. But uh, I, I think what is presented is much too long, and uh, for that, it, it kind of kills some of that momentum. But I enjoyed it overall. I, I, I did. I, I, I had a lot of fun. I laughed quite a bit. Um, and I do, I do like the cast for the most part. I like Stern. I like Billy Crystal a lot. Uh, and so I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, I was glad I finally got to catch up with it because I'd never seen it. So Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Now, I am a... Uh, you saw this in theaters, right? I saw this in theaters. I, I have seen this movie a bunch. This is one of the quotable movies of my junior high yeah. and high school years. That totally makes sense. Because, yeah, sure. you know, rural Oklahoma, making fun of city people... It's all very, very funny stuff, right? And so we're, we're kind of... The, what what can we say about Thunderclap and Buttercup? You know, or Thunder... Whatever the name of the other horse is. <laughs> I forget now. I mean, that's just... It's just That funny. is very good, yeah. It, you know, it, it's... 
it, there's there's a way in which a lot of those bits really significantly work when you're ten years old, yeah, and uh, and and plus uh, up until you're you know nineteen twenty. Well, and of course, I mean, like as Arthur's alluded to, like Crystal has a shtick that is timeless, right? That sort of vaudeville borscht belt, like I mean, people have been doing that sort of rapid fire. Every, every third line is a joke thing for a hundred years now, right? Like it. It's it's good. There's yeah. a reason like people have used that formula throughout the history of American comedy. Yeah, and it's always you know quite fun. And again, the way in which he's kind of quippy, you know, when when baby Jake Gyllenhaal is popping a shoulder in and out of socket, you know, it's like yeah, we have him in the gifted program. That amuses me. It's I mean, good. it really does uh, tickle me. And so it does pass that six laugh rule. I do like Jack Palance. I, I I like the idea of trying to find yourself that you can lose yourself in the busyness of life. You know, as a person, uh, uh, well, who's already been through a 39th birthday and a one after that, uh, you know, that whole midlife crisis thing, um, even now, I, I do sort of identify with. I understand. Oh, yeah, cool. I have an identity crisis every three or four years. Yeah, and so, I mean, that side of it, I totally get. The idea of being a weekend warrior, trying to find a new hobby or a new adventure that's going to put, you know, vim and vigor into your life, I, I think that all, you know, in, in a sense works. There are some really problematic things. These guys are punk. They're, they're, they've done some terrible, terrible things. And uh, I, I do think, though, the movie is trying to... I don't know if it succeeds, but I think what it's trying to do is saying people have, you know, found themselves locked in outside of their control into bad circumstances, and people have found themselves locked in because of bad decisions mm. into bad situations. And is there a way out? And I think it's trying to sort of redemptively work towards, there's a way out. You can, you can move past this and find there is life on the other side of, you know, making those kinds of mistakes or having those kind of mistakes voiced upon you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's fine, but I don't know that really does it. No, because at the end of the day, what it supposes is the only way to become a man again is to either threaten somebody with a firearm or drive a head of cattle. Right, yeah. Again, go back and be... Jack Palance. Well, turn into your parents or grandparents is is the idea there, is that we need to recapture some sort of that spirit of the West or whatever that is. You got it. And that that bothers me. But that being said, uh, I like Crystal's performance. Um, Bruno Kirby's fine, and I understand the problems, and he had a lot of problems on set. He was not easy to work with, and really, really liked him very much, Bruno Kirby. Uh, And so he didn't come back. I can get that. Yeah, I knew he didn't come back for the sequel. And John Lovitz does instead. And God, okay. <laughs> See, this movie that, that, desperately needs John Lovitz. Yeah, and, and and John Lovitz as uh, his ne'er do well brother Glenn is something that really works in Stacey Slicker's part two. Yeah, uh, and so there's there's a lot there's a lot to commend that. Have I you guys think. heard Alex's uh, John Lovitz impression? I have not. They did an interstitial like uh, because of the way they record the praise down. They got started doing it like fake commercials as part of the show's bit he did a john lovitz uh, is getting into the cannabis industry bit oh, uh, no. he's got a, a pairing with a snoop dog called the critic spelled ch by ri right 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 <laughs> yeah that's that's it that's that's i just want to share that a little that's bit funny. that's so great stuff. now you can think about our beloved friend alex sanchez doing a, a Pretty fucking spot on Lovitz. Right. Now, now I will say this. The movie doesn't age super well. There, there are some things that are pretty sexist. Uh, the homophobia here is a little lighter than it is in the second film, I'm yeah. afraid to say. Ooh. So uh, there is... Um, there is some weird, well-meaning 90s liberal... Uh, 
race re- reconciliation going yeah, on. Yeah, it's troublesome there. Yeah, too. to have the yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that. Yeah, later, so if, if you like it, there, there there are bits and pieces there that don't age super super well. But um, I, I I have a lot of nostalgia goggles when I watch this movie, and so I, I find a lot of it pretty endearing. But you know, looking at it more objectively, there are some things that are definitely more flawed in the film that I realize now than I used to. But yeah. that all being said, I still have a good time when I watch yeah. it. Sure. I mean, I mean, you give me a western, you give me a great score. Uh, with there, comedy. Yeah, I meant to. I meant to call that out. And the cinematography, I mean, that gorgeous landscape shots. Man, yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah, so it's got real strong John Ford vibes. Yeah, and uh, I, I like that stuff. You know, although John Ford and the uh, films of his ilk are problematic, yeah. and in some ways, it kind of carries over that problem to problem problematic with them. Yeah. And so, you know, that all being said, I still like it. I still enjoy watching it, and uh, I'm I'm glad it came up. I'm glad you picked this one, Arthur. So there you go, dear listener. Those were our thoughts initially on the Slickers of the City. Um, that all being said, um, Slickers in the City. Wait a minute. Uh, anyhow, mm-hmm. let's um, expand the syllabus. What is that, Arthur? Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts such as books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. There now, you go. You know that now that you have this down pat, he is going to throw a curveball in the next One couple of, of days. episodes and just make me do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And yeah. then, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, cycle. Will... I'll just turn the monitor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. I'm going to make a point to close my eyes and see if I can do it really just lock it in yeah I, this is this is how we have fun friends is just we mess with each other um with that all being said though dalton yes. do you have a syllabus for us uh yes yeah, so i got a syllabus for you uh for a class called friendships road trips and inventing gender uh the road trip is a tired and true uh setup for a comedy um i think for good reason road trips tired are and true not tried and true i like what you're doing there i said tired and true you did but you you're did not but wrong. it works yeah that worked really well thanks brain <laughs> Hey, sometimes the brand just, you know, does me a favor. Knows. It knows. Uh, but obviously, yeah, it's well-worn, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's plenty of movies that do this. But again, I think for good reason, right? It's an easy setup. You get to shoot a lot of locations. You're out on scenic highway, so you got good photography. Uh, and, you know, you force people into positions where they have to spend a lot of time around each other. So you're going to force some tension there from a character point of view. Uh, so I think I, I put together a couple of movies, and truly, I don't even think I've scratched the surface on this. I... I I chose to limit myself to a, adult friendship movies because if I had teen friendships in it, like is we'd be here all day. I mean, truly, we would never end. Uh, so up top, we've got a couple of things, uh, and you, the other component of this will become apparent pretty quickly. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, I love films like Girls Trip, uh, Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Uh, Thelma and Louise. I guess we'll do the Big Chill. I've never seen that movie, but like I feel like we probably should. We're doing a movie about adult friendship. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we'll do. I love you, man, for sure. I think I love you, man, is like a really natural pairing with City Slickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do an equally uh, relevant pairing with uh, I love you, man, of Point Break. Uh, mm-hmm. Just you know, uh, take I love you, man, and add more homoeroticism and more firearms. Uh, we'll look at Leslie Headland sleeping with other people uh, with Jason Sudeikis and um, Allison mm-hmm. Brie, which I like, I'm like the movie a lot. Um, yeah. And that that's kind of the the front runners of the movies that I came up with because I think each of them is engaging with uh, both friendship, uh, being stuck with your friends for an extended period of time. Uh, not all of those movies are road trip movies, of course. Uh, I did kind of 
stretch my legs here and there as far as the kinds of films I was pulling in. But the films that don't deal with road trips definitely are engaged with gender, which I think that's kind of the common denominator here. Each of these films is doing something, even if, you know, unintentionally. It is engaging with, you know, gender dynamics within platonic friendships. Um, mm-hmm. th- and that's a part of this course. That I didn't even really scratch that much, but I think especially with, you know, things like girls trip, uh, Pris- Priscilla queen of the desert, Thelma and Louise, like that's kind of like, boom, right up top. Like, uh, the, th- that aspect of the friendship is like front and center, right? It-, it is kind of key to what the movie's doing. And I truly, I think that's part of the appeal for all of these movies is it is giving you something that you, probably have in your life hopefully you have good friends and and it is trying to interrogate those real human relationships uh some of these films are more successful than others in actually doing something with um the way these sort of prescribed social roles uh impact people's dynamics with each other i think that's part of what i find so frustrating about city slickers and i don't want to belabor this too much because i'm sure we'll talk about it here in a second uh when we uh, get down to business but the the film just (sighs) These dudes are bad friends to each other. They're not like they are not supportive of each other. They're just kind of jerks. Like they they don't listen to each other very well. Uh, they put each other in pretty dangerous situations uh, without like actually being very helpful. Now again, that's part of the arc of the movie is them like learn to cooperate with yeah. each other in this intense environment. But they just stay kind of shitty. Like girls trip. Like yeah, there's a falling out. Right, that's part of a friendship movie. You have to have there be a falling out at some point. But all these other movies I've listed, I Love You, Man, right? This is another one about male friendship. That is a film that, like, lets these two dudes, like, be really supportive of each other. And the fact that men have a hard time trusting each other when somebody's being supportive is kind of a key component of that movie. And, of course, we're talking about, you know, a totally generation, different generation of, of American man in that film. But I, I do think, again, whether it's... Uh, I mean, there's so many other movies I could have pulled in too, but like each of these movies, w- whether whatever the time we're, we're in, whatever the place we're in, like all of these, you know, biographical factors are contributing to the way these characters relate to each other. But I think the common denominator here is uh, female friendships are by and large uh, more wholesome, right? There is like a less a less combativeness in some of these dynamics, which I think we can really get into with with Girls Trip and Barb and Star. Uh, two extremely different comedies, but both of which are like deeply, deeply funny uh, and are dealing with, you know, the same sort of stuff City Slickers is, right? Getting older, getting on up there in years, not being 100% sure like where you stand uh, as you enter a new phase of your life. Uh, and again, I Love You Man does a little bit of that as well. I mean, th- those characters are a little younger. Uh, they're looking at their early to mid 30s, but it's still kind of looking at like, oh, I'm settling down and like my life is about to be locked in for a while yeah uh, and I, I like that key that kind of key component in all these films um sleeping with other people is kind of the outlier here but man there are not that many movies about male female friendship uh, at least in the u.s there i i tried to track i really wanted to find at least one or two where it doesn't turn into a romantic relationship yeah you're hard pressed to find that man you really got to go look and i think my girl a little bit but then that's got its whole like Tr- well, that's a whole different tragicness. thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's and again, that's the kid movie, right? Like, yeah. I really wanted to skew away from that. Yeah, just a, a celebration of the platonic, yeah, friendship. And again, I think sleeping with other people, like, even though that turns into a rom com, like, it does get that dynamic a little bit in a way that I think is really kind of kind of special. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably look at uh, a couple of different things as far as like the the social structures around friendship. Um, there's a 
a piece from the late 90s by Graham Allen called Friendship, Sociology, and Social Structure. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot of readings pulled for this, but I definitely think we'd find some good stuff as far as both you know, the social construction of gender, uh, the role of friendships in the modern world, like how they um, impact social dynamics, how they impact you know, interpersonal dynamics, how they impact psychological health. I think there's some good stuff. And I think we'll close the class out. Uh, you know, whatever arguments get made, whatever observations are made, I think it'll be fun to wrap around with two horror movies, The Ritual and The Descent, uh, about, uh, you know, same yeah. gender vacations gone wrong. That's good. Because, uh, yeah, I just think it'll be fun to close it out. Again, we're going to be talking a lot about the dynamic specifics uh, that exist uh, within, you know, different uh, friendships of, uh, as far as gender goes. And, again, I wish I'd found some more, like, queer friendship movies. Um, but I thought Priscilla was pretty good pull. I think we have some fun with that. Um, you know, we've talked about Tu Wong Fu on the Tu Wong Fu on the show before, so I feel like yeah. we get the other example. Uh, but yeah, closing out with horror movies, I think is yeah, that's a fun uh, little curveball to throw. And again, like you're both dealing with uh, what do you do when you and your friend are you going to throw your friend in front of the grizzly bear? Right, is the question that you get to play with in both of those movies, which I think is fun. Um, that's it. That's it for me. Um, we'd be here all day if I like. I, again, Arthur's just pulled up some movies about friendship, and I'm, I've seen two already that I wish I'd thought of. Uh, I did think about Goodwill Hunting because um, uh, there's some, a lot of fun stuff there about like when is it good to let a friendship like end, which is an interesting question. Um, Arthur, what, what do you, what would you teach with this class? What are you thinking about here? Uh, actually, I'm going to keep this one pretty simple. Um, and, and you might find this in a theology course. You could find this maybe in a history of Israel thing or. Uh, maybe um, a auteur study of, of one of this, uh, the film's uh, creators. Uh, and, and that is going to be a simple double feature that I want to do. Okay. Very, very basic, very streamlined mm-hmm. presentation. It'd probably only be one week of, in, the, in the course. Yeah, a little intercession class. Yeah. and yeah. we'd probably do a little reading. Uh, we may do Ecclesiastes. Okay. Uh, but I want to pair City Slickers with... No country from old men. Yeah, I love this. This rules. Uh, right? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, uh, and, no notes. And really getting into the themes of Ecclesiastes and this idea of life affirming versus pessimism and, and that very Jewish uh, sense of humor uh, that that Billy Crystal presents. And obviously, he's not as neurotic as say Woody Allen. Yeah, uh, but that's still very inherent in his comedy. Well, and then with the Coens, right? You've got this this very yeah, yeah Jew- Jewish theology uh, yeah. philosophy of like yeah. life as an exercise in pain. Yeah, and like how do you how do you reckon with that? Yeah. And I think a lot about the the kind of the pre- presentation of the mundane life and, and how that looks for say Tommy Lee Jones versus Billy Crystal, mm. uh, the meditation on mortality in City Slickers versus the actual presentation of the the Reaper himself in Anton Chigurh, mm. uh, and, and really kind of looking at those as two sides of the same coin in many mm. ways, and really diving into the themes there of, of those films and Ecclesiastes and how those are all kind of tied together and presenting that that challenge of life affirming versus pessimistic you know absurdism yeah yeah, yeah i love that yeah yeah so. i'm there really take that rabbinical uh, tradition and yeah. give a super close read to like two texts that could not seem more different and yeah. yet there's some through lines yeah and, and you can easily pull into some of their other works you know you're talking about mr saturday night or really into a, ser- a serious man oh sure you magnolia. know really kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, magnolia's pta yeah, I know. Oh, I was, I was thinking of yeah. another movie that works with the same kind of... Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was kind Sorry. of thinking within those same wheelhouses, even. Yeah, yeah. You could really mm-hmm. kind of branch out and really delve into that. But that's what I really came down to. It. I just was fascinated by the idea that these really do feel like thematically two sides of the same coin. That's yeah. really interesting, Reed, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I really just 
thought about. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but yeah. No Country for Old Men and uh, City Slickers. Coming mm. soon to a theater near you. I'm going to send you a book. It's uh, Robert K. Johnson's Useless Beauty, yeah. which is kind of uh, Ecclesiastes and Cinema. Yeah. That's beyond the level with that as well. Let's cool. about Buster Scruggs as well, Ooh. obviously. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because yeah. each one of those is like really, so it, much about mortality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of Cohen stuff. Is. Yeah, yeah. And even, uh, I think, Burn After Reading somewhat gets mm. in there, too. Dude, yeah. yeah. You know. So so much of that movie is just like, no, sometimes life doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. So, anyway, that's where I'm at with it. Very cool, very cool. So, I, I was struggling with what to do here, and I did think about the Midlife Crisis movie, but I didn't really want to do it. No. I, I mean, I don't care sure. to, and I just, I just don't care to. So, I, I'm just going to do a little character study, or not character study, star study. On, oh, on Crystal? Uh, on Jack Palance. Oh! And so, looking at him, so Shane, I think, is uh, the obvious pair he, uh, did he get nominated or did he win for that? He uh, For Shane? Yeah. I don't know if he got nominated or won um, right. for Shane. Arthur will do the research. You keep yeah, going. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. But I, I think it's a great film, and Palance is great in that. Um, and then I want to just sort of think about him and his acting career over the decades and uh, look at him in a film noir set in New Orleans with a pandemic on the way, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, uh, 1950 called Panic in the Streets. Mm. A very fun little film noir film there. And then he's in, he plays Dracula. What, what pandemic? Uh, it's a uh, cholera, if I remember right. Oh, is it not set in the 50s then? It's set in the 50s, yeah. We were still dealing with cholera in the 50s? Yeah, cholera's been around forever. I mean, I knew it's been around forever. I just thought we'd well, figure it was his it first out. movie. Yeah. Oh wow. Cool. Okay. Yeah. He'd love pretty... to start with somebody's first movie. Yeah. Oh, so Zan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Arthur yeah. did get the pull. By the way, he was nominated. Did not win for Shane. Yeah. He oh. uh, he was nominated for uh, Sudden Fear, Shane, City Slickers, and one for City Slickers. Okay. Supporting in all three of those. Yeah. 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 So uh, there is a you know that Shane. Uh, then I want to move forward in his career. You know, at, after the, the 1970s Dracula performance in Michael Curtiz's Dracula, that's cool. Uh, which is uh, written uh, by uh, oh gosh, the I Am Legend guy. I can't get my, oh Robert Matheson. Robert Matheson is, is screenwriter on Who's Michael Curtiz mm-hmm. Dracula. Dracula. Who's Van Helsing? No, in this one Dan Curtis. Sorry, Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis is Dracula. My bad. <laughs> I was, my, my I was brain, about to go looking for a Michael Curtiz Dracula movie. My, my brain did something <laughs> wrong there. I apologize. That's very um, funny. Anyway, uh, then I, I think his performance that sort of leads up to what he does in um, State Slickers is his um, performance as uh, Boss Grissom in uh, the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. And Jack Nicholson does like a Jack Palance in, impress, impersonation, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's an interesting little bit there. Uh, to use as well, and also just throwing in some Batman for fun, mm. kicks and grins. But just think about Star Sir, uh, Star Studies, uh, Picture Personalities by De Cordova might be a book we would read. But um, really, just thinking about this particular actor and the arc of his career and how he was sort of a, a junk actor for a while there, kind of a character actor um, mm-hmm. with some major sort of credits here and there, and then mm-hmm. kind of made it again. And then at eighties, doing you know push-ups on the uh, stage there at the Oscars when he finally wins. Great, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, of course God, that is some old man shit. Yeah, it so <laughs> I is. love that. I it love so that is. so much. But uh, that's what I would do with that. It's just a little Jack Plant study. And so there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. I believe now it is time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. And that business is, as always, analysis. I'll tell you what, 1991 is a rough year for comedy. 
I, I went ahead and pulled some of the comedies from 91, thinking like, all right, you know, obviously I don't like this movie as much as y'all do. So I wanted to find uh, some other examples. And truly, it's uh, Arthur's already got a better list than I was able to pull. Uh, but some of these are just movies that do not exist at all. Uh, we do got, you know, the first Adams Family is on there. You know, that's pretty solid. Uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I haven't seen that, but I know people that like it. It was um, fun. It's just a pretty sparse year for, like, notable comedies. Uh, there's Hot Shots Part Due. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I first Another one. good boomer comedy, Father of the Bride. Oh, sure, yeah. 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 I mean, that's the big one, right? What about Bob? Oh, that was the that was the one. Thank you. There, that was the, the one I saw. I was like, okay, well, that's a really solid comedy that's, like, had some pretty... Pretty big legs on it. I, Bill and Ted, uh, two right, Bogus Journey. Yeah. yeah, so it's just yeah, a lot of sequels, some movies that you know. Most... And then there's like some cults. I mean, there's Barton Fink, okay. Last Boy Scout, which you know, action comedy. Yeah. But still. Defending Your Life. That's the Albert oh, Brooks your one, life right? Is pretty good. Yeah, the Albert Brooks with uh, Meryl Streep. Oscar. I've never seen Oscar. Sylvester Stallone. I don't know about this. I don't know about this at all. L.A. Story. I would do What About Bob on this show for real though. I had like I've had not one but two. Uh, public school teachers coming up that loved that movie. I oh, like, yeah? used it to teach. Uh, very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Couldn't even tell you. But anyway, uh, comedy's weird. Uh, it is the genre that ages the worst. Uh, I mean, it, it ages like vinegar every single time. Right. Uh, and not all of that is just like the punching down that you get in, in pretty much most big studio comedies, right? Like there's, you know, there's especially the aughts, right? There's just a grotesque gay panic going on in comedies mm-hmm. in that era. Um, yeah, I mean, what, 40-year-old virgin, not 40, yeah, 40-year-old virgin has, like, not one but two set pieces of just male friends calling each other gay. Like, yeah. it's, and, you know, the 90s are just as uh, murky with this stuff. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this. I truly don't know that there's much ground to be covered here that's going to be worthwhile, other than to say... Yeah, comedy goes that way sometimes. I mean, some comedies are good, and I don't have a lot of this, but even comedies that don't have, like, things that are social sensibilities have changed, just jokes that are, like, cultural that don't, like, really... either They're leaning on something that was a big cultural touchstone when the movie came out that just didn't have legs, right? Right, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the dentists, right? That, that, that dentist bit, you know, we're black and we're dentists. Let's not make an issue of yeah, it. Yeah, God, that... Ugh. You know, and I mean, it is like, you know... And we're dad woke. being like, they weren't, you did. Uh, no, Billy Crystal had a tone that yeah. I don't think he was out of... Uh, he, he was, at, you know, wrong for questioning Billy Crystal's tone yeah. on that. Oh, yeah, you both are dentists. You're both dentists, Which, you know? Sure, he, you, oh, father, son, that's cool, but I yeah, see why yeah, he asked. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, but it's like it's, it's jump on your back for jumping on him or whatever. It's, yeah, it's a, it doesn't. It, it it does not ring it very is, true now. Yeah, nineteen ninety two has not happened yet. Yeah, <laughs> right <laughs> for sure. Right, that's weird. Weird moment. Women have a weird role in this movie. What's her doodle from the Ballad of Ballad of Billie Jean? Like, just exists to be Daniel Stern's reward at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. which is a huge bummer because, like, the three times the movie bothers to give her something to do, she's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just stuff like that. It, it's it's stuff that's just like really endemic of the time, right? Well, and you mentioned this this idea of a middle class that does not exist any longer. Sure, right? I mean sure. that that's part of it as well. Is that it is this time capsule of this moment, and this is sort of a problem the movies have anyway. People mm-hmm. are always uh, far too well off for their actual, you know, economic status. Yeah, see basically. everybody's apartment and friends, right? right. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a classic film and TV issue. Yeah, and so th- there's a bit of that going on, and it is a time in which the midlife crisis is not what it was. 
I don't think any longer either. I mean, I I, I don't have. You mean like, you haven't went out and bought a sports car yet? No. You no. mean now or in the nineties? It wasn't. Uh, now. What, now, gotcha. What what the nineties midlife crisis was, which was an outgrowth. I mean, I think we're seeing this in the eighties. Sure. And so that it was enough of a trope that by the time we're talking about this tonight, they never say midlife crisis, but we all know that. Well, what's they happening. never say the word yuppie, and that is clearly what all three of these gentlemen are. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and so there's a way in which. They have rebelled against whatever it is, you know, to an extent when they were teenagers against their families and their family's values. They've made their own life and they've settled and they've, you know, hippie to yuppie. They've done that and now they, you know, dead end lives, dead end wives, whatever it happens to be uh, in their situation. They're, and, they're, and they're trying to find that kind of meaning. And it, it seems like that kind of disillusionment that uh, the boomers experienced in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it happened for everybody else in their 30s and 20s. Yeah, happens, I think Gen X down on to Gen Z. I think the last three generations had that shit way earlier. Yeah, it right? just happens, yeah, much, much quicker. And uh, I, I think there was, I think the disillusionment itself was less traumatic mm. because I do mm. think boomers were sold the line that you're going to get this job and that whatever job you pick is this romanticized thing that's going to be this all-fulfilling kind of thing that, uh, you know, this also, you know, your relationship with your spouse, your children, it's going to be this great, you know, sort of uh, salve to uh, whatever is broken inside of you. It's and, the Tyler Durden in the bathtub scene, yeah. right? Yeah. You get everything that uh, your dad told you you're supposed to get. Why aren't I happy or whatever? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I think that does not ring true in the same way any longer. Not that midlife crises aren't real, mm-hmm. not that people don't find themselves uh, suddenly just sort of, you know, doing dangerous, risky things mm-hmm. or whatever uh, to sort of find, again, the sort of vim and vigor of life again. Sure. That's that's totally real. But. Well, we're also much more coming to terms, right, with like the, the alluded to dream that you mentioned being uh, locked off to a lot of people mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, uh, issues related to their identity. And I think people expect it more. You know, again, they, 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 they expect that disillusionment more than the yeah. boomers did. The boomers were really, you know. Done poorly, I think. In this, I mean, this. I, I, sure. I, I'm being sympathetic. I think a little. And bit I think that's fair. Here. Look, yeah. I was raised by well, one and and a cusper. Yeah, look, I, I've got a lot of sympathy for that generation. Uh, they had to go through Watergate. We all got to be born on the other side of it, right. right? We got to be born on the other side of the Pentagon Papers and know that you literally can't trust anything they're telling you ever. Right. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's tough stuff. So you know, I, I think that's the one. The the first thing I'd want to sort of you know think about a little bit there is, is that generational bit because it is thoroughly a boomers movie and it is about uh, about a shared culture too I think that's interesting that's uh, as a, as a pop culture reference here is that um, they did live and grow up in a time when there were only four channels on the television where there were only you know a certain number of radio stations and record labels that were out there the media had, had not yet fragmented they, they had shared music shared television experiences shared sports experiences that whole conversation about my dad and baseball you know those kinds of things that daniel stern has uh, in the way in which it, it's a unifying factor in ways that uh, other sports are not it, it does sort of speak in, in a way like a time capsule to a time mm-hmm. that no longer exists and so there, there's a way in which they are people of a shared experience, and they are finding themselves in the midst of a world in which that's no longer the case. And I think that is kind of frustrating, is that whatever my kid's into is going to be the stuff I'm into, because there's only so many things to be into. We can find something, mm. but not necessarily any longer. The bourgeoisie does not anticipate also being alienated from their labor. Right. 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 Uh, which I think is a... Something the movie basically straight up says at one point when it is uh, Billy Crystal's talking about 
how happy Jack Palance seems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, having an honest job that is uh, he's doing every day and is seeing what he's doing and is connected to it in some like ephemeral way that he just can't grasp, right? As a you know an ad salesman. For sure. Uh, the other thing that I think the movie is doing that is something I hate, actually, uh, in movies, and that's the life is worth living. God, yeah, the thing. life-affirming stuff is just... You know, I'm like, surprised there's not a butterfly at, uh, key point in this movie. <laughs> I mean, right, you know... It's no bucket a, list for you? No, yeah. it's strong bucket listy kind of stuff yeah, here, you know. Totally. And, of course, life is worth living, and, yes, you should do, you know, live life to the full. Yeah, carpe swim, swim through the river of shit, get to Zihuatanejo. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, all of that, you know. But at the same time, it, it is just sort of schmaltzy, saccharine, and exhausting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so you find the one thing, and like, okay, fine, find your one thing. But what is Billy Crystal's one thing? I don't even know. Is it? Is it? Is it a, is it a cow named Norman? Is his family? Because he was thinking. Or Norman. About, it could be Norman. Was he thinking about his not dying in the river? Which What's he going to do with the cow? I mean, I, well, he. Dude, I, Arthur, say, does, does the cow show up in City Slickers too? Yes, he does. Okay. He has come home. They have a home in the country, and he runs with uh, Mitch every day when he goes on his jog. Uh-huh. That's really cute. Okay. So Good they for moved, Norman. They the and by the way, he's a full grown big cow. There yeah. was a moment where I thought Norman was going to die in that river. Mm, yeah. God. Which Ooh. is a much different movie. Yeah. 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 I feel like they kill Jack Palance like way too early, right? I mean, it is pretty quick. It, I knew he died. Like I knew that that was like. The, I assumed that I, was going to happen. I yeah. I don't know if I just like learned that through cultural osmosis, or I put two and two together. But I was like, or well, just piece of, yeah. he's going to die, and they're going to have to figure it out without him, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. could have used more of him. Uh, mm. Could have used less cla- less classism uh, towards the other cowboys. Is yeah. what I'll say. That shit's all pretty gross. The deliverance joke uh, previously mentioned is gross. Right. Really, a lo- just a lot. And of- their use of the other F word, you know, Oof, yeah. uh, which is not cool either. But Which is probably not inaccurate, but also pretty presumptive of you, screenwriters. Right. Is what I'll say. Uh, so I don't really have much more to say than that, right? Like, the, the classism of the movie is, it's just sort of there. Right. It, it, it is not smart enough to engage with that for even a second. And I think the other big sort of um, letter on the eye chart here is uh, fragile masculinity. Oh, I thought you were going to say dad stuff, but yeah, okay. No, oh, well, I mean, same uh, thing. Go hand in hand. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm famously a sucker for daddy issues, but yeah, this movie does not, didn't hook me. Right. Uh, for whatever reason, like even, even that like catnip for me, it just, it couldn't, didn't get its hooks in me. I mean, I loved Ed's best day, worst day story. Yeah. You know, insofar as it was moving. Sure. Yeah. Right. You know. It's well delivered. Kirby Kirby does the monologue justice. Yeah. Sure, right? Yeah, but um, I, the other side of it is though is my dad didn't teach me how to work with wood, and now I'm not a man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, yeah. that and that that sort of inadequacy that's that's been um for what, what the movie doesn't interrogate because it is so in love with John Ford's westerns mm-hmm. is the problem that John Wayne and the western presents for contemporary masculinity yeah. and it and it doesn't it doesn't say hey I feel inadequate so I need to tap into the searchers instead of saying I feel inadequate maybe the searchers or the man who shot liberty valance or whatever didn't serve me well in mm. giving me a model of masculine. Maybe Shane isn't the best model for this instead of getting the guy from Shane, right? Yeah. And that's where, I, I again, one of the sort of uh, ideological failures, I think, we find in this film. Yeah. Uh, Polanski's character being right mm-hmm. about his way of life. Well, and here's the thing. Kind of being... Yeah. You know, I mean, his kind of ideology 
that's what a, he passes on to Crystal. Yeah, but that's the thing that's really interesting to me, to me Arthur, right? Because he is sort of grounded in the movie as having wisdom, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, he has knowledge. And Billy Crystal says, so. he's like, you know what? The guy, Curly's got things figured out. He's worth listening to, right? And yet, his his lesson is you shouldn't, you know, get married and have a family unless you're sure that's the thing you want to do. Yeah. That is the only solution we are presented to Daniel Stern, Billy Crystal, and Bruno Kirby's problems, and obviously I didn't internalize the character names, that is their problem, is they just need to get married, stop dicking around with uh, other people, they need to grow up. and have kids. Well, Or not. Or right. not. Maybe they don't. Jack Palance did not say you should do that. And right. it's weird that the movie like positions that as the only option for the three of them, right? Yeah. Like They just need to have conventional family structures and everything will be fine. The movie might be a psyop, is what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's weird, right? Like It would make a lot of sense for at least one of them to be, again, especially because two of the characters are childless, it would make sense for at least one of them to be like, I'm going to go live by myself in the woods, just like Curly, right? Like, yeah. You know, a movie doesn't have to do that precisely. Like, that's where Stern's character maybe should have went. Yeah. Like, well, Stern's not... character does have kids, because he's not yeah, able that's to true. see they them mentioned after the divorce. Him, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they weren't yeah. there. Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, they weren't played by six-year-old Jake Gyllenhaal, so no. I didn't remember. Yeah, of course. They, they, they're they off screen the entire film. So, yeah. yeah, and they're just referenced a couple times. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah it's it's just like, uh, of course, the uh, the family structure we invented in 1947, That that's what's going to make everybody happy. The American right? dream. Yeah, yep. and it's just... I don't know, it's a choice that feels antithetical to everything that came before it, right? Like, even as Dustin, you know, Dustin says, like, maybe the searchers served, or Shane served us wrong, it does not pull any good lessons from that either, right? Right. Like, it it says, ah, of course, we should be more masculine, and of course, Billy Crystal looks his most happy as he rides over the the horizon uh, with his beautiful, beautiful five o'clock shadow, Mm -hmm. and he looks great. Yeah, he does. He can get it, but also, like... Is this is this what happened? Now you feel like a man. That's all it took. Mm-hmm. You had to almost die and grow a beard. Are you fucking serious? You have three dependents. You idiot. What's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> like I, it's just frustrating to see characters that are. I don't want to give notes. Right. Like comedy is allowed to be heightened. Right. Uh, yeah. Another a male friendship movie I thought about was Tag uh, from a couple yeah. years ago, which is yeah. based on this real life long running tag game. Yeah. And everybody in that movie is a cartoon character. Nobody's a real person. And, yeah. and this movie has that too. And I, you know, not every comedy has to be like grounded in real human emotion, but at the very least, they should behave like real people. And the, the ways in which these guys behave like real people is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the times in which they do things that feel true versus the times at which they do things that feel like Hollywood inventions. Well, just... I, I think you're getting at kind of the core issue here, mm. narratively, is that everything else about this movie, not those three main characters, is presented as a very grounded comedy. Yeah, okay. But those three inserts are very cartoonish. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Everybody else feels pretty real, right? Yeah. Like, in the supporting cast is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like if you took the cast of Tag and then you dropped them into, I don't know, a, a more serious comedy. Yeah, serious the King comedy. of Staten Island or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, something with like more dramatic. Like, there's that cast. weird juxtaposition that just does not work. Yeah, and I th- I think that the the movie, d- and, you know, Dustin talked about this, right? Like the the fragility of masculinity is so centered here, uh, right? And you know, the scene with Stern uh, after the the showdown, right, where they have to go come see see if he's okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's heavy, and it's so much heavier than every other moment in the movie that like it feels from something totally different yeah uh, and the same with kirby's like that that was the best day and my best day worst day speech like also feels sort of disconnected from everything else right 
whereas like Crystal's emotional monologues are just like it's good to go to a game with your dad and that feels like it comes from city slickers so yeah i thank you arthur for kind of helping me figure out what was going on you're right it's just like the movie wants to gesture towards real human problems and, and yet like can't really quite get there because it's too busy doing other stuff uh i don't know it's, it just never comes together for me for whatever reason and i don't know if it's the way it's aged i don't know if it's the fact that i just i don't have any you know uh uh, prior love for it or what it just it doesn't come together uh, i think maybe the parts are too disparate that's fair i mean it totally is fair but um i do we have, have any more major themes that we'd want to discuss regarding this film no i mean you kind of got to the, the really the truly the only thing that i was like really made want to make sure we talked about was like this idea of the curly as the last real man right yeah. as the, the dying breed of cow folk yeah uh and we kind of got there right yeah. with like this idea that uh you're you're parents and your grandparents are some sort of mythical being that just like knows so much more than you right Which, you know there's some truth in that sentiment like that that does not ring as emotionally hollow to me but i don't know that it's if you're gonna build a movie around it you need to work a little bit harder yeah maybe i don't know all right well with that i think we should probably render a verdict so i'm gonna go to you first arthur shelf or trash with city slickers i am very softly and gently going to put this into the trash uh like i said this feels like a very much a uh made to live on cable TV uh, movie. Mm. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, I could see myself uh, curling up on a Sunday rainy afternoon and uh, just putting this on if it were on, you know, and watching it. I would have no qualms with that. Uh, but I don't think it's anything anybody needs to go out and see. Fair enough, fair enough. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, I'm right there with Arthur. Uh, if I happen to turn something on in this movie's uh, 15 minutes in, they're already on the, at the dude ranch or whatever. Yeah, I'll probably watch most of it. It's fine. I think that I, I didn't get a review. I think this, that opening it takes so long for this to really get going. Once they because everything on the dude ranch I think really picks up, but that extended sequence in New York and the yeah, birthday this, party and the the bull, run with the bulls is that's what made me think of the ritual, right? Yeah. Because that movie is like so much about like an annual vacation. Yeah. Same with the descent. Both yeah. of those movies are about like uh, annual friend trips, and the last yeah. one went terribly wrong. Right. And this movie kind of has a little bit of that, right? Like yeah. they spent part of the time they were there in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it does take a while. Like that's, that stage setting is just, I don't know, maybe unnecessary. Dustin, Fair what enough. about you? Do you think it's, does it deserve to be preserved? I bought it years ago, so it is on my shelf, but I don't think it's a shelfable film. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's yeah. totally watchable. It's one of my, again, it's one of those comedies that I, I've come back to over yeah. the years a lot. Uh, yeah. I prefer the second movie, uh, for a lot of reasons, but um, that all being said, no, I, I probably wouldn't shelf it either. I'm not going to say I'm trashing it, but I'm just not going to shelf it because I do have those nostalgia goggles sure. and that sort of long-time affinity uh, towards it. So that's that's as strong a statement as I'm going to be able to make against it. What a bipartisan cop-out. Yeah, that's right. That's, I mean, look, we we I, I made a pretty hard pivot towards being uh, equanimable about like how much nice I don't like this movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you, you warmed up. The things about it that are like... I'm offensive to my sensibilities as if that's such a thing that can happen to me are like, it's it's not unexpected, right? right. It came out right. in 1991. Like all the shit it does that I don't like, I kind of assumed it would do. I just assumed I'd laugh more along yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing next week? Huh? Oh, I got to do the other thing first, don't I? Yeah. Uh, social media. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about city slickers listener? Uh, is Dustin right? Uh, are we all wrong? Who knows? You tell me Uh good trash genre cast at gmail.com. If you got a treatise to write, Good Trash Media on Twitter. If you don't, that's at Good Trash Media if you just want to send us a quick little blurb or just, you know, want to follow us and see the shows as they drop. 
uh, shows like this one, the Good Trash Honor Cast, shows like The Praise Down with Heath and Alex, which is always a good time, uh, The Wheel of Randy with Dan Wade. Uh, do you like Randy Newman? Then that's the podcast for you. It's the number one Randy Newman podcast in the Southwest. Uh, go check it out. Uh, what else to plug? Uh, oh, yeah, I guess we're on uh, Jeff Bezos's uh, streaming platform now for podcasts. So uh, he's going to hear every time I talk about his oddly shiny head. Um, God, I can't wait for that guy to try to kill me. It's all I want is just to flee to the to the mountains uh, with Jeff Bezos chomping at my heels. Uh, See, that's a movie that ends with me coming to save you. I'm fine with, with that. With a hammer. Yeah, please That's all do. I have is a claw hammer and coming after Jeff Bezos. Uh, hi, we here at the Good Trash Genre cast <laughs> do not uh, publicly endorse attacking Jeff Bezos with a claw hammer. Uh, that's but if, illegal. If but you if, mess with my friends, Bezos, that's what's going to happen. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just like to picture him in his uh, his bath full of uh, uh, intern blood. Uh, it's just like, wait, somebody's talking shit about me on a podcast. <laughs> uh, I think that's all the social medias. Did I miss anything? No, that's, uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, you, that's good. You did well. Um, Arthur, what's next? Well, next week we're going to keep the buddy comedy going as we find a place to lay low while taking a look at the Denzel Ryan Reynolds team up safe house. No one is safe. Nice. No one is house. Safe house. <laughs> That's right, dear listener. You keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not-